Welcome back to Coin Scrum Markets. I'm your host, Tina Baker-Taylor, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Ben Griegas, Director of Product at Falcon X. Hi, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Tina. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you, and uh, welcome back to Falcon X. So there's been a surge in trading interest from traditional financial institutions um, over the last couple of weeks. In your view, Ben, what's causing this? Is this just you know a, a chase for yield, or you know are there other um, market factors that are impacting this? Yeah, Tina, it's been really exciting to to see the excitement build. I think one of the things that we're most excited about at Falcon X, um, having gotten the opportunity to meet a lot of our clients in person in Miami the past uh, week or two, um, has been the excitement that exists um, around cryptocurrency and, you know, more specifically BTC, ETH, and some of the more notable alts. Um, I think that, you know, certainly we've seen a little bit of consolidation. Um, what I would like to think is, is a healthy consolidation, given the run-up that we've had early in the year. Uh, we're starting to see some of our larger institutional clients, be it a traditional asset managers, um, and, you know, some of the larger crypto native hedge funds begin to step back into the market and take um, longer term bullish positions, uh, both in BTC as well as those altcoins. Cool. So what, what's, it looks like ETH is uh, getting ready to, to break the resistance it had at uh, $2,700, um, but seems to be being maybe pulled back still by BTC dominance. Where is this yeah. coming from? What, what, what can we extract from that data? Yes, I think ETH has been a really interesting story, specifically over the past week or so. I think, you know, we had some really interesting comments from uh, Goldman Sachs about the potential of, of introducing ETH derivatives. And I think, um, you know, more and more, you know, I think one of the things that we're hearing from our institutional clients is um, that they're excited about the value proposition of ETH more broadly. Um, you know, I think what we're seeing in terms of that convergence, um, you know, certainly it does seem as though ETH um, is prime for a breakup. Uh, or breakouts. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, if you look at where BTC dominance was, you know, two or three weeks back, I think, you know, to have some natural convergence back toward, uh, you know, a little bit more dominance there makes sense. Um, but I do think the narrative for both BTC and ETH, um, you know, cautiously optimistically, uh, is very bullish over the coming uh, weeks and months. Awesome. And you mentioned that we've seen, you know, surge across some notable alts, especially in the last uh, circa 72 hours. Um, what, what are those alts and what do you think is driving that? Is it, is it driven by DeFi? So I think there's certainly excitement um, around De De DeFi more broadly. Um, I think one of the things and one of the themes that, uh, you know, I was hearing from a lot of the, the traditional financial asset managers, um, you know, both in Miami and then thereafter, um, was that people are excited about the convexity of, of owning some of these different altcoins. So I think, you know, obviously there is a tremendous opportunity to purchase BTC and to own it. And I think the forecast for that is extremely strong over the longer term. But I do think that people are seeing, you know, not only potential incredible use cases uh, for some of these uh, DeFi tokens, but also there's interest from a convexity point of view, uh, where, you know, clients are looking at these uh, alternative coins and seeing the possibility for, for much larger returns in the months ahead. Okay. And uh, so, you know, let's just bring it up. It sounds like, you know, Elon is maybe changing his tune again, and that Tesla will resume uh, accepting Bitcoin for payment once uh, Bitcoin's power-hungry miners um, go halfway green. 
Well, how has the market reacted to that news? So I think, you know, we certainly saw a bit of a jump um, on Sunday in the price of Bitcoin. I think one of the things that's, you know, more important, you know, rather than, at least in my opinion, the near term pop in BTC based upon uh, or dip, depending upon uh, Elon's tweet of the day. Um, is, you know, hopefully the evolution that it's going to have on, on the overall Bitcoin market structure. I think, you know, he's certainly addressing something that's top of mind um, by, you know, both our corporate treasury clients as well as some of our largest institutional investors. And that is, you know, the broader power consumption um, that, you know, is required for something that's proof of work um, like Bitcoin. And so I do think, you know, obviously the tweeting itself um, has a way of, of causing volatility one way or the other. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think the message, um, you know, was resoundingly positive. I think it forced the industry at large to address a concern that was kind of living beneath the surface. Um, and hopefully it'll be, you know, medium to long-term very positive uh, for both BTC as, as well as the broader acceptance of crypto. Yeah, I agree. Let's dig in a little bit to the recent borrowing and lending trends. Um, I, I saw a stat that 1% of all circulating Bitcoin supply has now been wrapped into WBTC and brought into the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, what, what is the overall trend here that, that we're seeing um, for uh, lending and um, borrowing in the space? Absolutely. So you know, first and foremost, I think, you know, WPTC in, you know, kind of the expansion of its use case is extremely exciting. Um, and it's been really, really fun to watch the lending ecosystem evolve over the course of the past year. I think certainly seeing, um, you know, both WBTC and the amount of it that's minted pick up, as well as the amount of assets that are being stored on some of these DeFi protocols increase over time, shows that the chase for yield um, is likely only in its early stages. I think, you know, it's been extremely exciting to observe, um, you know, even some of our largest institutional clients begin to take part in ask more and more questions um, about how they can best attain yield and how they can achieve, um, you know, the opportunity to to stake on some of these different DeFi platforms. Yeah. So you know, when we are taking a look at you know the cost of yield, um, and you know the these uh, assets being used for collateral and staking needs, what is that risk-adjusted yield in crypto? Absolutely. And I think that this is something, you know, more specifically that has evolved over time. I think when we talk to some of our largest institutional clients, um, you know, at first there's uh, genuine excitement um, in, a, in a generally low yield environment in traditional finance to see, um, you know, yields in upwards of 10 to 15 to 20%. But I think naturally the, the next question is, what is the true cost of that yield? Um, and, and what's essentially the, the best opportunity for me in terms of like achieving a risk adjusted return? Um, and so, you know, for everyone, it really depends upon, you know, what their risk tolerance and what their risk preference is. I think the questions that we've seen coming in from some of our larger institutional clients, um, you know, as the institutions that are coming in become more and more traditional uh, in nature, the questions become uh, more and more akin to, you know, what I saw in lots of years in traditional finance. And people are questioning, you know, like I said, is this yield too good to be true? Who is the end borrower of this? And, you know, 
is it, does it make sense for me to chase 15 to 20% yield if, if the end user is unknown or should I be electing for something in a, in a five to 12% range where I'm only lending to a broader institution or I know that my assets are being over collateralized. And so I think at the end of the day, it's really unique and uh, fascinating that there are so many different options out there. Um, like any investment, I think it really depends upon, you know, what am I ultimately trying to achieve? Am I optimizing for yield? Uh, or am I optimizing for, for safe yield? Um, and so I think it really is a, a question of, of whom the investor is uh, at the end of the day. But the fact that there is that optionality that's existent in the market, and even on the conservative end, that the rates are substantially higher than what you would find in traditional finance, um, I think it's exciting. And, and hopefully it's you know the beginning of, of kind of the new era in yield. Yeah, fantastic. Um, the as you say, optionality is, is something that we didn't have before, um, and you know as the space continues to evolve, well, I think we'll continue to see kind of weird and wonderful things emerge. Uh, ben, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Um, I I always uh, ask my RFQ guests um, end of summer, so the end of Q three. What's the Bitcoin price going to be? <laughs> It's an excellent question. So the end of summer, I mean, if we look at, you know, some of the things that we've seen here at Falcon X, um, whether it be, um, you know, the basis trade, uh, if we look out beyond July, um, we're starting to see some extremely bullish signs, right? We're seeing um, things begin to trade at a substantial premium again, if we look out beyond that July expiration. Um, I think one of the other things that we've seen notably on the desk is, you know, in spite of the recent consolidation um, in pricing, which, which I do believe is healthy in the medium to long term, we haven't seen very many people inquiring or actively taking short positions in the market. And so I think what we're seeing more than anything else is people taking a step back, identifying where there's the best opportunity for alpha and repositioning themselves for what will likely be the next run up. Um, and like I said, I think we're certainly seeing that um, in both the BTC basis curve um, when we look out beyond July, as well as the fact that, you know, even over the course of the past three or four days, we've seen some of our largest take, clients take, you know, very, very large positions um, on the long side of things. So that all said, um, needless to say, I'm bullish. Um, and, I, and I would like to say that we like, you know, likely retrace back to, uh, let's call it 60,000 by the end of Q3. 60,000 by the end of Q3. Thank you for humoring me, humoring me Ben. <laughs> Can't even get it out. Um, it was a pleasure to have you um, and uh, we'll have you back in a few weeks time and check to see if uh, your price prediction was correct. Perfect. Fingers crossed and thanks again.